I feel devotion. I feel devotion. I feel uh, the devotion. I feel devotion. What up, what up, what up, what up? Welcome to the Devotion Podcast. I'm Joan Marcet, recording from an overpriced flat in Berlin, Germany, and 2,000 kilometers away from here. Also recording is my dear friend Aniol, a.k.a. Any Hoops, safe from Malcolm Delaney after roasting him on our previous episode. What up, Annie? Hey, Joan, how you doing? I'm fine. Uh, Malcolm didn't come for you yet, right? I'm sure uh, he didn't listen to our last podcast because otherwise it would be a different outcome but yeah from now i'm safe let's give him time let's give him time yeah. to catch up so <laughs> today we're gonna bring a special uh, episode it's already different from the first one um yeah. it's a new segment you know new podcast so almost everything is new mm -hmm. also this segment it's a news focused one and yeah just let's hear the intro and get right into it hey Want to know what's new in Europe? You are listening to the Devotion Podcast. So, welcome to Hey, Want to Know What's New in Europe? Shoutouts to my girlfriend Lisa for providing the VO, actually. Great job. Um, and again, shout out to all the people who has helped us uh, with the intro. I think it's great to involve a lot of people in this podcast that now that we want to create this community about EuroLeague. So I would love to keep receiving these kind of messages, this kind of vocals. So feel free, everybody who wants to participate on that and wants to appear to our opening. So just send us your vocals and we're going to add it to our intro. Keep firing up our email. Remember, devotionpodcast at gmail.com. Devotionpodcast at gmail.com. So let's move to Barcelona, where we feel most comfortable. Let's go to yeah. the Palau Blaugrana, because on the on its last game, Leo Besterman made his debut for FC Barcelona, but he was substituting another player. Annie, I think you have some some info about it. Maybe you can explain us a bit. It, it happened some some days ago, but let's let's recap everything and and see how is the situation right now. I'm sure that right now a lot of people has heard about what happened with Thomas Artel and Football Club Barcelona. But just in case, if it's fine for you, Juan, let's do a little recap on what happened. And then let's explain what's going next. Because as you know, Thomas Artel, well, Thomas Artel and Saruna Jasikevius hadn't had the best relationship. Maybe Thomas Artel is the kind of player that maybe it was more like Saruna Jasikevich is when he was actually a player. But right now, I think he's looking for another thing. And in the end, things didn't go completely well between them. And Barcelona ended to try to find a solution uh, with this problem. And they wanted to get rid of Thomas Artel and find another player that suits better to Saruna Jasikevich's games. The thing is that Thomas Artel uh, was planning, or at least this is what Barcelona thought, to sign with Fenerbahce. And get a trade between Thomas Artel and Leo Besterman. Thomas Artel asked the team to travel with them, even though he wasn't in the plans of Sarona uh, Jasikevicius. They were he... traveling to Istanbul, right? To yeah, they were traveling to Istanbul, exactly, to face FS. And Thomas Artel was supposed to sign the contract with Fenerbahce. A few hours before the game, 
Barcelona realized that he wasn't planning on signing with Fenerbahce, but with Real Madrid, the eternal rival of Football Club Barcelona. And these uh, didn't like the club. What happened is that they got angry with Ertel and left it, left him at the airport without uh, being able to travel with the team back to Barcelona with all the coronavirus stuff during Christmas. Well, it was a mess. So there was a lot of criticism against Barcelona for that. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely not a classy move, especially because Barcelona in the last year have had some um, problems with, with some players, with Tyrius Rice as well. They, they, they were paying his salary to train with the B team because he was not part mm. of the first team dynamic anymore. And, you know, there were a lot of players that, um, that jumped into Twitter to support Tomas Ortel. But Annie, I think that you did your your investigation there and you find out something that all these players have in common. Maybe you can name those players and explain what is this thing they all have in common. Yeah, I mean, at some point, with all this mess going on, the age, Tomas Ertel's agent, Misko Rasnatovic, aka Godfather, came into a scene and he started saying that it was all Barcelona's fault that his player, his player, sorry, didn't do anything wrong. The thing is that, yeah, on the paper, he didn't do anything wrong, but morally, it was neither the the classiest move for Ertel. Yeah, and also like the players, obviously they 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 are players and they defend themselves. And it was it was Barcelona didn't manage the situation correctly. Mm-hmm. All the players that stepped up, Mike James, Kevin Serafan, they either had previous bad experiences with Barcelona as well, or they mm-hmm. are also represented by the Godfather. But yeah. Rasnadovic, as, as you exactly. mentioned. The, the thing, Joan, is that all the players, or all the players that were more active criticizing Barcelona, were clients of Misko Rasnadovic. So uh, the whole situation smelled a bit funny for me. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people said that if Barcelona didn't want to, to play Ertel for the rest of the season, they, just, they should just pay him out and let him go wherever he wants. But... Mm-hmm. That's not really understanding the the rivalry between FC Barcelona and Real Madrid. Like people yeah. that say that don't know what it feels like for FC Barcelona fans to pay two million euros to one of your star players of the last years to play for your maximal rival, not just in Euroleague, also in the Spanish Cup and in the Spanish League. So I uh, see that FC Barcelona didn't do didn't manage the situation well. I also think that Tomás Ortel was trying to get... was It was a very sneaky move from him. I mean, he was being very sneaky, pretending to sign with another team so he could get the buyout and go to Real Madrid and get all the money. Like You have to understand, this, the fan base of FC Barcelona cannot allow that. And they are the, clo- the club owners and everything was, was a bit funny. I think that that Ertel could have also looked for other options. I don't know if he's going to look for a non-Euroleague team because the transfer window now is over. But, yeah, I, I, at the end, I think that both parts really, really lost because Tomás Ertel is not going to play for Real Madrid for, for the rest of the season. The 2021 Olympics, hopefully, if the vaccine does its magic and we all can go back to our normal life, There, it's around the corner. He's not going to be competing. That's going to hurt his chances. And I guess he wants to go with with the French national team. Um, FC Barcelona have seen its 
reputation as a club damaged again. Yeah, of course. That's not good at all. And and Real Madrid doesn't get its player, and Mitko Rasnatovic doesn't get his new uh, his new a new contract for his player where he could be happy. So mm-hmm. overall, bad move for for everyone. Like really mishandled situation by all the parts, if you ask me. So you know th- that's one thing, and the other one is that you mentioned the Euroleague market right now it's closed. The end for Barcelona has been half happy because they could add Leo Besterman to the roster but in the end what's happening now with Ertel maybe he's gonna face the, the, the same destiny that had with Rice that it's maybe training with the B team of Barcelona maybe just training alone and preparing for the Olympics I don't know we'll see yeah and if he's gonna make it to the Olympics at any point as we said if you're not playing, if you're not competing, it's not the same way. You can train as hard as you want by yourself or with like mm-hmm. uh, under 20-year-old uh, players, but it's just not the same. I want to switch topics, Annie, mm-hmm. um, but I don't want us to move from the Palau Laugrana because mm-hmm. for the last games, um, FC Barcelona had its star um, out, of, out, of the, out of the team dynamics. Nico Mirotic is not on the court. And I think you've got some some information from the FC Barcelona media media WhatsApp group. Yeah, the last game Mirotic played, I think it was against Real Madrid in Ligandesa, and in, he, he had a hell of a game. But since then, he hasn't played and he hasn't trained. He's not with the team right now because of some personal issues that we don't know which personal issue is, but it seems that it's really serious. When it was right after what happened with Thomas Artel, so a lot of uh, people start to spread rumors that he wasn't being paid and that he didn't, he wasn't committed with the team. But right after that, a lot of, firstly, I think it was a couple of Twitter accounts, uh, followers from Barcelona that said that it was a real serious issue what was happening with Mirotic and then Barcelona also asked for some respect said that the rumors were false and that they will say what's happening when Mirotic comes back to the to the team so I don't know if I don't know just guessing that maybe it's a health issue related with uh, a family of his I don't know something like hopefully this. not hopefully not hopefully not but it looks like so we'll, we'll see what happens for, for us, from this podcast, it's like, it, it's sadly how this business works. You know, when fans mm-hmm. or media don't get uh, an immediate answer to one of these uh, situations, rumors start growing. And yeah. I, as a podcast, I don't want to contribute to that. If it's a personal issue, it's a personal issue. We will get its proper explanation when it's time, if there's a need for one. And mm-hmm. we just wish to see Nikola Mirotic back in the core as soon as possible. I think yeah. that he's one of the top three players in the EuroLeague. He's a, a walking bucket and we really miss him. So best of luck for Nico and his mm-hmm. family. And uh, we really hope that the situation... And yeah, yeah let's, let's, let's close it there because there's mm-hmm. not that much we can yeah. say. There's there's nothing to say actually. I mean, we just you know I hate when we when the only thing you can do is wait. But in this situation, I think it's the only thing we can we can do. Definitely. 
So let's switch the, to the third party involved in the yeah. whole Thomas Hertel soap opera. Real Madrid also got a new player that made its debut uh, against Milano on round 18, Alex Tayus, former mm -hmm. Maccabi Tel Aviv center, a player that Real Madrid knows well because uh, he really made some damage on that 2014 uh, EuroLeague final. Um, it's not 2014 anymore. He's not the same player. No, but, it is not. Um, and he didn't start also very well. Like, I think he will have better nights than what he provided the last one. Just after stepping on the court, two minutes uh, into the second quarter, an immediate 0-8 run for the Italians, boosted by a turnover and two loose defensive boards by Tayus. It is also fair to say that Madrid made a run on the fourth quarter with him and Tavares on the court, which is something I was not expecting. Maybe, Annie, you can you can explain us a bit what you expect from from Tayus on this. Uh, what, what what how Tayus will contribute to the Real Madrid roster? It's true that he didn't have the dreamed debut, but on the other hand, we, we could. We saw some sparks of what Tayos could add to Real Madrid. I mean, it's true that they were about to sign a point guard as Thomas Arteu and they ended adding a, a center as Tayos. In part because the season ending injury, uh, Anthony Randolph had. But in the end, I, I think that is a player that from the first moment he can provide experience, physicality, to the game for Real Madrid. So I think it's an interesting move and also how Lasso managed to get into the court at the same time, Tavares and Tayos, as you commented. That was a really in smart move and it almost uh, gave Madrid the victory. I think it's an interesting addition. A more he mobile isn't... defensive five. He can dream run for you a bit. Um, probably would have started the podcast with this news, if it would be 2014, and yeah. Alex Tayos would be joining Real Madrid, but still a solid professional um, backup center that that Real Madrid can really use. Let's not forget that he's a Euroleague champion. Yes, he, he's earned it. No one's yeah, gonna, I mean... no one's ever gonna get that away from him. <laughs> exactly. Let's move away from Spain. Also, finally, yes, I know, guys. You were gonna call us homers again. I know. I could, I could already hear some people whispering. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we are sticking in southern Europe. Uh, mm -hmm. We're going to Athens, a beautiful basketball city. Man, have you visited Athens ever? Yeah, I've been to uh, Athens, but I have, I haven't had the pleasure to witness a Greek basketball game um, in Oaka or in Olympiakos stadium so olympiakos or panathinaikos pr department we are a podcast on the rise if you want yeah. us to support either olympiakos or panathinaikos just send a couple of tickets for a derby once the whole pandemic thing is over and we we, we can change the light a bit on on how on how we talk about those greek teams going back going back into into what Joan, you know that the olympiakos stadium is the Biggest lie in the humanity regarding his name because it's called the Stadium of the Peace and Friendship, and I don't think that there has been a game in in this stadium where peace and friendship has been the main character. I've seen a lot of games there from TV. I've 
as you mentioned, we haven't been there and I've seen everything but peace and friendship. <laughs> so let's focus on the other team, the Greens. Um, but they don't have their coach anymore, you know? Boboras no. and, and Pau, they parted ways. I always find it so funny when they say that. Yeah, parted. what does it mean exactly? Parted ways. So, they just oh. fire him. They just Political fire correct, him. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, Pau was sitting at 5-11. Five wins, 11 yeah. losses, and the play was not up to these uh, historic team standards. But the roster is neither, if you ask me. What What do you think, Annie? No, it is not, and we're going to talk about this. But I think they had a player, like a, a scorer, a natural scorer like Foster. And then with Nedovic, so it's the other star they have. It's like two completely, I mean, identical players. Mm-hmm. They have the same role. And maybe here... In this in this team, there's no space for both of them. Clearly, Nedovic, when he came back, they gave the rings to him. And yeah. Foster, that really started well, he got an amazing game at the Palau Laugrana. Mm-hmm. 23 points, amazing uh, first uh, half shooting. He felt uh, he lost its, its role. He, he couldn't find himself anymore. You could see that he was just waiting in the corner. He's not a guy to do that. He, he, needs, he needs more. The ball. Yeah. He needs a, a main role on your offense if he's going to be effective. And Boboras couldn't, couldn't find a balance between those two. They have a smaller budget than they used to. But anyways, I, I think they should have a better balance. And I think that's what they are looking with the addition at the bench of Odet Katash. I'm so happy that uh, Katash is the new uh, head coach. And we don't have to say never again, Charalim. Pidis, uh, was he called? Because I was about to choke with my own tongue and I really want to do more podcasts. Anyway. Yeah, I think you almost sprained your tongue. Yeah, I was... uh, Yeah, yeah, that's a serious injury though. That that, that gets you out of the roster for like three, four weeks. Easy. Yeah. So one last remark on Boboras. I also watched the game they played against Real and I think his management at that overtime was really poor. Like St. Rose, which is one of the best defenders on the Euroleague. He he was uh, doing a great job. He got his, his his fifth foul with three minutes left of the second overtime. And uh, he, he he made uh, he substituted him with Bocoridis. Mm-hmm. And Real Madrid was its first game without Campazzo. So they were pretty much mm, not very well managed on offense. And with that substitution everything became so easy for Real Madrid because Alberto Abalde was um, lighting Bocoridis on fire, bringing him down uh, to the low block every time because he was, was he was way more physical than him. And that was happening for three minutes and Boboras at the side didn't make any defensive adjustment, any substitution. And I was like, man, your team really needs it. The other guys, they just have this way of scoring at the moment and you, you, you are giving it so easy for them. So, yeah, poor roster, but he didn't got the most out of it because Zalgiris and Alba also have not great rosters and they are ahead of, of um, Pau. Yeah, yeah, completely. I mean, let's see what happens with this new coach. I'm really excited to see if he's good enough for a competition such as the Euroleague. Right now, he's the national coach of Israel, and he was the he was the Hapoel Jerusalem coach in the basketball Champions League. He was a first 
on his group at this European competition, but he wasn't shining with his team. In a team, Joan, that had players such as Guy Nini, oh Orohayon, former Maccabi players, and Maxim Bezu, that I don't know if you remember him, but he played in Obradoiro here in Spain. But the three of those guys together, they are like older than 150 years almost. Like, how old is well, Guy Nini? Nini is 37. Oh my Ohayon, god. If I'm not mistaken, playing, 33. The guy's been playing forever. forever and Ohayon, 33, forever. he looks like 45. He, he looks like he could be my father. <laughs> no, no, he's not that old, but almost. By the way, kudos to you, Annie, to go so deep as to check out the Basketball Champions League for Hapoel Jerusalem performance. That's that's amazing, man. That That's why you are here in the show. That's why you're running I mean, business. That's devotion. That's definitely devotion. Definitely. Um... <laughs> I don't know. The only quality assessment I can make about about uh, Katash is that he looks angry. He's gonna join the the Euroleague Grumpy Coach, the, uh, the Grumpy club. club. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Along <laughs> yeah. with Dusko Ivanovic, Pablo Lasso, Saras, Itudis, Itudis also Itudis. Gets, gets very angry. Gets and, mad. Yeah, another candidate to have a small heart attack in the middle of a game. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he will fit right in. He will fit right in. Well, best of luck to Boboras. Um, we, we, hopefully, we can see him again. We, I really, I really mean it. I really wish that he gets another opportunity. He I'm sure he will find. Yeah, yeah, he will find a nice team to run. So I'm sure. I'm sure. Regarding Boboras, I remember the last game when Panathinaikos was down by 22 points when Diamantidis left the stadium, and I think at that moment Boboras could have uh, quietly followed him and signed the paper right away. Yeah, that was... With no fuss or anything. I got the chills, man, with, with uh, <laughs> Diamantidis' farewell. Yeah. I got the chills. So, to close out this podcast today, this, hey, want to know what's new in Europe podcast, we've got some NBA talk. I know you love it, Annie. Don't, don't, don't get too stressed. Wasn't it a Euroleague podcast? It is, but but you know, I I like to find these connections. You know, I like okay, to. Yeah. Okay. I admit it. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. We're gonna finish with a funny note regarding Luka Doncic. <laughs> Luka Doncic, you like? I mean, I you like can him. Watch yeah, it. yeah. I watch like most of the NBA games I watch. It's because Luka Doncic. I have to admit. You 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 will always be a hater for the NBA. <laughs> I love that. I love that. In any case, last Thursday, Shaquille O'Neal. You know Shaquille O'Neal, right? He didn't play in the EuroLeague, but I, I heard he's pretty good. It rings a bell to me. <laughs> so Shaq asked uh, Doncic in the post-game interview after he scored like 40 again. Did, did you watch the game? How, how many points did he score? 38, I recall. Yeah, 38. Just just like a, a normal Thursday night for Luka Doncic. Yeah. Um, in any case, Shaq asked him, who was he modeling his game after? And that was Luca's response. You know, uh, Luca, you're a young player, great player. We love your game. Growing up, did you model your game after American player or European player? Uh, I mean, uh, I would say uh, some of everything. You know, obviously, I watched LeBron, uh, and I had great teammates uh, back in Spain, like Sergio, Rudy Fernandez, uh, Felipe Reyes. You know, they're great Spanish team uh, teammates. I learned a lot from them. And I mostly watched Spanulis. Uh, I don't know if you guys know him, but he played in Olympiacos. Uh, but you know, I think uh, just parts parts of every player, uh, parts of every player. That's that's how I see it. 
you heard him, man. That that answer, that answer must have must have given you the chills. I, I would I want to use this statement by Luca to say that there's so many great talent in Europe, man. Like we make fun of it now. I really hate the debate of people who likes to confront both competitions and makes you choose. I I I know that you think differently, and that's super fine, and that's why we have a podcast and we, we can debate. Otherwise, it would be boring. Um, but to me, the NBA and the Euroleague, they are both so different like, mm-hmm. and so interesting for basketball fans as well. As you can hear, when you've got the talent like Luca does, you can model your game after a Euroleague player, after an NBA player, and dominate in both, com- in both competitions. The Euroleague is amazing. It's just amazing, and it's, it's just getting better. So, man, I know one day, maybe one day we can do a podcast about you know, a debate about why do you think the Euroleague is better and why do I think that both competitions are both really, really cool. Yeah, but Joan, what really gets on my nerve is Charles Barclay. When he says that, Spanol is who that? I mean, guy, you're a former Rockets player, okay? And he was too. So show some respect for one of the biggest European players have ever played basketball. I think he knew his game when on on the 2006 World Cup when Spanulis did some some damage there. Some damage to the USA. Who's that? Oh. Ah. Spanu <laughs> That bold Come dude. On, that bold uh, white Come dude on. just killing it out there. Um, yeah. Being honest, I think that Barkley doesn't. You you ask him to mention five uh, Rockets players uh, at the moment, and he cannot do it. He, he's just not a people's person. Yeah, that's true. Even five former planes rockets that played along him. Yeah, yeah, probably. He probably will, he will, he struggle. will struggle. Yeah, <laughs> he will struggle. I agree. Annie, a pleasure as always. We're gonna close it out here. Likewise, um, man. Remember can't wait to, for the next one. Definitely. Remember to to listen to us. You can find us on Ebox and Spotify. Remember to subscribe. Remember to share. And above everything, remember. Devotion, you've got to feel it. You are listening to the Devotion Podcast.